Good evening. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Joey. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm a clinical chaplain and the grateful creator and host of the Spiritual Care Podcast from the Zen Buddhist perspective. Even though this podcast is made through a Buddhist lens, it is for every human, no matter your beliefs or non-beliefs, traditions or practices. Take a deep breath, settle in. This space is for you. Are you looking for a new podcast? And are you looking for a podcast that talks about the shit that everybody avoids? Uh, I am always looking for a podcast like that. Always looking for a podcast like that. Okay? So, um, the first time I heard the 99 Lead Balloons podcast, uh, hosted by Joy Derdinger, I was blown the fuck away. Um, so I started following Joy on Twitter and um, saw that Joy was the host of a podcast called 99 Lead Balloons. Now, the 99 Red Balloons song is a favorite of mine, um, as well as the cover by Goldfinger, which one of my bands actually used to cover. And so I was really intrigued right away by the title. And I'm a podcast junkie. So I, I pulled up uh, the podcast on Apple Podcasts and um, was just immediately in love with the podcast. Joy picks fantastic guests and brings them onto her podcast in order to better connections in the human family. Joy goes there. She, she asks the hard questions. And she does so in a way that reveals her compassion and passion for people and the world. And Joy has become uh, easily one of my dearest friends. Joy um, is like a sibling to me. And I, uh, I have a lot of love and respect for Joy. Joy is, is awesome. Um, so I'm going to stop talking about that because it'll make me emotional and I will just um, keep going with this ad. Okay. So um, Joy is outspoken. Uh, Joy is for the downtrodden, the marginalized, the oppressed, the tired, the can't quite catch a break crowd. Joy believes in supporting and partnering with people while sharing information. Joy has a BA in Applied Linguistics and Biblical Languages, is a parent educator with the Jumpstart Prevention Initiative, and has a background in research and literacy. Joy is one smart cookie, and Joy is incredibly gifted. Pair that with her passion for social justice, and it's just contagious. The 99 Lead Balloons podcast is dedicated to the difficult conversations we often shy away from. In doing so, we think critically and listen intently to ideas or views that may challenge us to see the world differently. Check out the 99 Lead Balloons podcast, created and hosted by Joy Dertinger, available wherever podcasts can be found. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Joey here. Uh, 
as promised, today we're talking about sin, uh, <laughs> which uh, is just such an exciting, uplifting topic, right? So at some point, inevitably, in a podcast about spiritual care and spirituality, there was going to have to be an episode about sin. Why? Why is that? Um, because sin is a word that, despite your feelings about it, um, has staying power in the culture. And not to offend you, dear listener, but the word sin does not give a fuck if you don't like it. <laughs> right? Right? Um, but uh, when I was growing up in a conservative, evangelical, fundamentalist, Christian community, sin was a word that I heard all the time. It was just part of the vernacular. It was part of the language that was instilled in me. And that might have been true for you as well. <clears throat> sin is a word that is used frequently in Christianity and in Christian communities. And that being the case, uh, since American Christian Christianity is kind of like the sort of spiritual lifeblood of our white, cisgender, heterosexual culture, um, the culture of power, uh, the word sin creeps into the culture and has staying power. Why? Because whatever it is that's going on within the culture that has the power stays, sticks around for long periods of time. The word Nazi, for example, is a word that was used to talk about a, about a very specific community, a specific political party in Germany um, before and during World War II. Uh, and the Nazis were a very particular type of person with a particular ideology. We know exactly what Nazis are. We it wouldn't be difficult to say what a Nazi is. But the word Nazi has not left the culture. It has staying power. Because once American Americans, and particularly white American Christians, started using words like Nazi, um, they were the culture with the power. And so that word was given power. And to this day, we're still using words like Nazi to describe people that are white supremacists or misogynists or homophobes or transphobes or um, or Brian Kemp, the governor in Georgia. Um, I'm sorry, I, I probably shouldn't say that, but <laughs> I, I, I'm just uh, feeling lots of feelings about um, the Georgia situation right now. Um, and if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, Google it. Um, I'm not going to go into depth about it today because it will just upset me and might upset you. And that's not the point of today's podcast. Although, since we're talking about sin, according to Jesus of Nazareth, if you read the things that he said and taught in uh, the Gospels according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, Brian Kemp and the government in Georgia are committing grave sins against God and against the people of Georgia, um, and especially against the people of color. So, um, yeah. So 
let's talk about sin. What is sin? What so sin? Um, sin uh, has its roots in Latin, but also finds itself in uh, in Koine Greek. Um, in the Septuagint, uh, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word is mixol. Uh, mixol and mixol is translated into Koine Greek scandalon, which is a word which occurs uh, only in Hellenistic literature. Um, and in this sense, it means something along the lines of snare for an enemy or cause of moral stumbling. Um, and for example, in the book of Psalms, uh, a stumbling block is anything that leads to sin, right? So if you are a stumbling block, then you are causing somebody to sin, right? So, um, scandalon, it's where we get the word scandal, um, which is something that we trip over, right? Scandal and stumbling block, um, may sound like bad words or negative words. However, um, they're not actually uh, bad or negative words um, all the time. Sometimes they're actually really important, helpful, hopeful words. Um, the word sin, however, means more than just stumbling block. The word sin, especially as it's used in the Greek and in the Hebrew, um, according to uh, theologian and philosopher, uh, from Ireland, Peter Rollins, it means something about a lack. So I grew up in a culture that taught me that the word sin means missing the mark. Like you're aiming for something and you, you miss. Um, well, sure. I mean, okay, I guess that kind of works. If you really want to take that metaphor apart, though, it, it, it falls pretty flat in certain areas. But when Pete Rollins talks about the lack involved in sin, this is where we, I find meaning that leads me to my own set of conclusions about this word. I've wrestled with the word sin for years as you may have too. The word sin is a word that has been used to condemn, right? To condemn um, and to convict. So if somebody believes they're sinning against someone else um, and they feel guilt because of it, uh, that's because of conviction, right? Um, Christians would say that they are being convicted by the power and movement of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is uh, the personal presence of God in the world, according to Christians. So, uh, if you're feeling convicted and you're feeling guilty, you've probably heard me say this before on the podcast, but guilt is not bad or problematic. Guilt is very helpful. Guilt is good. Guilt opens doors and creates opportunity for reconciliation and healing and bridge building. So in that sense, the word sin, as it relates to conviction and guilt, opens doors and creates opportunity. It's a stumbling block in that way. 
if I believe I've wronged somebody, committed an error or a, or a harmful act against myself or someone else or against my higher power, there's an open door there, right? Um, as Barbara Brown Taylor, the theologian and Episcopal priest, says in her book, Speaking of Sin, sin is a helpful, hopeful word, right? Of course, uh, Christians would say then that Jesus came to uh, deliver us from our sin, to save us from our sin, to rescue us from our sin. Not from sinning, but from the power associated with sin. This is where it gets pretty interesting, right? So in um, Abrahamic spiritual traditions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, um, sin is talked about as this really powerful thing. It's like its own entity, and it kind of takes over in a person. In a sense, it's it's almost the way some people talk about, like, the devil, right? And I, at this stage in the game, find that fairly problematic because I don't think sin is its own separate power system or being. I think that if, there, if sin is real, it rises up within us. Any wrongdoing or harm that we commit is committed by individual people or groups of people. And we should be taking full responsibility for that, not pinning it on our sin. Saying, oh, well, I, I'm a sinner. I'm a fallen person. So, of course, I fucked up. Again, there's a philosophy, right? That you're a sinner, a fallen person. Where does this find its roots? In Augustinian theology. What's Augustinian theology? St. Augustine, or Augustine, as some people call him, was an African bishop. And uh, he wrote a couple of uh, Christian theological classics, The Confessions and the City of God. And... Uh, St. Augustine developed a, a, a doctrine that is still used to this day by most Christian traditions, and it's called original sin. Original sin. The idea behind original sin is that we were born into this world, created by God, sinful. That from the very beginning we are sinful, that we are filled with darkness, and we are broken from the beginning. And that is why we need God to come to earth in the incarnation of Jesus of Nazareth to teach, to die, and to rise again so that we can be saved from this power of original sin. Without Jesus in this story, we are doomed to the power and the mastery of original sin. But here's the deal. If sin means a lack, right? If that's kind of what sin is pointing to, it's talking about lacking, then the idea behind sin is, I did this thing. I called my neighbor a bad name. I thought a, a bad thought. I engaged in white supremacist behavior that I didn't realize was white supremacist behavior but was part of the larger systemic white supremacy. I made a misogynistic comment. Um, 
I made a joke that hurt somebody's feelings. I, or something more egregious, right? All kinds of things, right? I lied, maybe, or I killed someone or assaulted someone, right? The philosophy behind sin language then would be that this person engaged in these sinful acts because they were lacking something. So what were they lacking? Uh, there's all kinds of things we could say they were lacking. The, according to Christians, the fruits of the Spirit. According to most humans, we would say integrity, um, compassion, serenity, peace and peacemaking, uh, empathy, uh, mercy, love, right? Um, charity, goodwill. If you hear my cat in the background, I apologize. Uh, he's uh, out of sorts this evening and is very mad at me that I am recording and not talking to him. Aren't you, Rabbi? Yep, here he comes. Little asshole. Hey, buddy. He wants to come up on the recording table, but that's not happening. Not today. So, the question then becomes, what if, what if we believe that we're not lacking anything? I just want you to pause with that for a moment. What if I, what if you, what if we believed actually that we were not lacking anything? What do you believe about this? Do you believe you're lacking something? I've, like I said earlier, wrestled with this word for years and um, most of my life just thought sin is a thing. Of course it's a thing, you know. I used to be a, a theologian and a, a Christian clergy person and so of course I was like, yeah, sin is a thing, duh. Uh, but then I started practicing Buddhism and I was getting into my recovery and I was meeting new people and having new conversations and experiencing new perspectives. And suddenly I found that uh, what I had always been sure or certain of um, was not so solid anymore. And now I find that I just simply, dear listener, do not believe in a lack. I don't believe that anyone is lacking a single damn thing. I don't think we're lacking, my friends. You, you, just hear this. If you, if you just pause for a moment and listen and hear this, this is for you right now, okay? This space is for you. This word is for you. You are not lacking anything. You lack nothing. I promise 
do that. I don't make a lot of promises on this podcast or in my vocation. It's not very uh, helpful or professional. But in this case, I'm going to make an exception. I promise you from the depth of my being that you, dear listener, dear Earthmaker, are not lacking anything. Do you think that if there is a loving higher power out there, that that higher power would make you and make you devoid of certain things, would make you lacking certain things? Or would that higher power in that higher power's love instill you with everything that you need to live a healthy, fulfilled life of connection in which you and others thrive together in your interconnectedness. Do you think that your higher power would say, ah, you know, just to keep the game going and to make it interesting, I'm going to make sure that all these fuckers are created with, uh, with a lack, with a black hole in them. Um, and, and we'll, we'll have to fill that hole with, with, with things. But the thing that you fill the hole with is God. And like Pascal would say, the French philosopher and pastor, that there's a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart. We keep trying to fill it with other things, and the only thing that will fill it, the only thing that will satisfy it is God. I reject this notion. In Buddhism, there is a doctrine. Uh, There are very few doctrines in Buddhism. Uh, It's not really a doctrine thing, but it's a doctrine that arises from centuries of practice. And The doctrine is basic goodness. It's the exact opposite of original sin. It's the idea that everybody is good exactly as they are, down deep in their core spiritual self. This is internal family systems work, right? You are good in your spiritual core. Who you are in your authentic self is good, basically good, foundationally good. And over time, there are things that we attach ourselves to that stand in the way and obscure our connection to our authentic goodness. And we start to act like a bunch of asshats. We, um, we, we, we leave things done and undone that harm ourselves, others, and the world around us. Um, and, and yes, maybe we could call that sin. But if that's sin, it's not sin in the sense that it's a lack. It's sin in the sense that we're certainly hurting. We're creating harm. And so I want to change my language around this. I rarely use the word sin anymore because it's just not helpful. It's not a helpful word. I'm finding that this is not a word I can use with the people that I counsel in my work, the people that I teach in my work, because the word sin just makes people feel fucking condemned. And I just can't attach to that. Sure, I want to be like Barbara Brown Taylor and say, like, sin is a helpful, hopeful word. But for a a wide uh, swath of people in the world and in our culture, especially among addicts, sin is not helpful and hopeful. Sin keeps people stuck in shame. Are you stuck in your shame today? Are you stuck? I've been stuck. I've been so stuck (laughs) before, right? And it's fucking painful. So I don't believe in the lack. 
And thankfully, um, not all Christians buy into the original sin doctrine. There is another doctrine that exists in some Christian circles called original blessing. Um, Father Matthew Fox has talked about this. My pastor, Jody Hogue, has talked about this idea, and so have others. Original blessing is basically uh, the basic goodness idea, except it's from a theistic perspective. Basic goodness is Buddhist, so it's from a non-theistic perspective. So original blessing would be something like this. When God makes us, creates us, God creates us good with everything that we need. And we are lacking nothing. And so then if we're going to use the word sin, we're talking about things that we attach ourselves to that create harm. That then these things are like dams blocking the flow of water in the river. They're standing in the way. And we can remove those dams over time. We can. We can detach ourselves from those dams over time. We can. I've seen it happen. I do it all the time. So if you think that you're condemned, you are not. And I know that for those of you listening who might consider yourselves longtime Christians, maybe you're a traditional, very traditional Orthodox type Christian. And this is really difficult for you to hear. And you just find yourself disagreeing with me all over the place. First of all, this space is for you. So you're welcome to disagree with me. That's, that's totally fine. But I want to invite you to rethink your relationship to the word sin. Is it a word that's actually helping you or is it keeping you stuck or forcing you backward? Is it a word that's actually being helpful and hopeful for you? Is it? If you don't know, why don't you try on something new? Just just what would it hurt to believe that God has made you good? I mean, here's the thing. Here's where I really wrestle with this. In the Genesis creation narratives, in the uh, book of Genesis in the Hebrew Bible, God calls all of the things that God creates good. And then there's this event that occurs in the uh, the creation myth in which um, the serpent enters the garden and Eve eats the fruit from the tree and gives it to Adam who eats it. And they've sinned against God because God said, don't eat the fruit of the tree. And so God kicks them out of the beautiful garden of Eden, out of paradise. And, uh, and thus sin has entered the world. That story is problematic in a, in a number of ways. Um, one of them being that God created a tree of knowledge and told his creation not to eat from it. That seems kind of unfair, doesn't it? In, this, in that story, then, dear listeners, I'm going to say something... Um, which I know <laughs> I might get angry emails about, which is okay. Um, God is the villain in that story. God is the one who is lacking something. And what is it? Compassion, kindness, wisdom, integrity. The God described in the, story, the Genesis stories is an asshole setting his creation who he says he loves up for failure and then kicks them out 
for wanting to take part in knowledge. What if we believed that all of that was just a bunch of symbolism and maybe even horseshit? I, I don't know. I'm not trying to throw the Bible under the bus. There's a lot of things I love about the Bible, and I've studied the Bible for years, and trust me, I know the Bible very well. But what if, when God looks at you, if there is a God, this God does not see a lack, does not see a bunch of empty, dark spaces that need to be filled, but rather sees you, the full, complete picture, and just wants you to get back to being exactly who you are, your authentic self. Maybe you're listening to this today and you're an atheist, and you're I have atheist, dear atheist friends and and family members who might be like, but what if the God thing doesn't even matter? Well, you're, you of all people are, are, uh, are teaching me something, which is I get to detach myself from whatever the fuck I want to detach myself from. If you want to learn from people who are, uh, uh, heading in a spiritually healthy direction right now around words like sin, look to your atheist friends. Not necessarily your militant, angry atheist friends who are foaming at the mouth and rabid, but your atheist friends who are caring for one another and doing so because they are humanist in their approach. They just believe that humans and other beings deserve love and care and compassion because simply because they are things that live and exist. And I was talking to my friend Ashley um, on the Twitter Uh, yesterday, and she was talking about how she does not agree that sin is a thing at all, and she just said it with such um, conviction and such certainty, and it was really lovely, really lovely to, to read her tweets, to read those sentences in our conversation, because she gave me permission to detach from words like sin. It's a word that I don't and can't really use anymore. It it is of no use to me. It is of no use to me. Because I don't believe it's a thing. (laughs) So Ashley, if you're listening, I don't believe it's a thing. Thank you. You get to decide, dear listener, how you feel about sin today. That word, the, the theologies and the doctrines behind that word. You have a history with this word. You get to decide. But I want to invite you to open yourself up to rethinking your relationship with this word. Say you want to keep the word. I have lots of people I respect and love who still use this word and it's meaningful to them. But if it's creating harm in your life, consider letting go and divorcing yourself of this word because you are not lacking a single thing. You have everything you need to do this life and to do it well. I promise you that. Thank you. I love you so much. Next week we begin the series on spirituality and spiritual care and mental health disorders. I'm looking forward to diving in with you. Take good care of you today, and I'll see you next week.